This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. We are so excited to share something new we've been working on. We have now launched the Enneagram 8 community. This is a community where Enneagram 8s can come together to feel seen and heard for the heart of who they are, a place where you can just be you. If you're interested in joining us here, go to the Enneagram8community.com to sign up. So you know how Jim would put like Dwight stuff in Jello? Yes. I kind of think about that picture of Mm -hmm. a stapler in Jello. I'm the Jello, and Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of absorbing this sharp thing Mm -hmm. and holding it there and just choosing to be strong enough and big enough to do that. Carolyn is tri-type unknown. One thing we can be sure of, she is most certainly an eight. Like me, she's an adoptive mom, so she understands all the joy and pain that comes with that. If any of you have ever considered possibly taking that step, then this might give you some insight into what it's like to love vulnerable little ones and wrap them up in your family. You may not have been a foster parent or an adoptive parent, but I have absolutely no doubt that many of you have been a parent in one way or another to countless people along the way. Taken in the strays, been the ones to put arms around children's friends who have a hard home life and scoop them up and provide them with a safe place. They can come and feel like they belong. I am married. I've been married for almost 23 years. I have seven kids. Four are adopted through foster care. Three are biological. And they are all between the ages of 13 and 18 right now. (laughs) It's Um, so similar to my life. Well, I know. And that's one of the things when I started listening to your podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually really have a lot in common with her. There's something about the eight-ish you know, taking care of vulnerable people, right? This makes us natural foster parents and then um, we have all the energy as well yeah I always said that I'm like I don't think I'd tell you to go ahead and have sex but (laughs) yeah for me it was like breathing I was like yeah of course (laughs) well it's funny my husband's a seven um Mm, so there's a lot of energy yeah we have a lot of energy and when I was pregnant with my third daughter we had known we want a large family but I was pregnant with my third daughter I was like oh I'm just done I'm just done with this being pregnant stuff and we're like, okay, so how are we going to get more kids? <laughs> and my husband was like, well, let's adopt through foster care. And I was like, okay. yeah." Okay, that story is ridiculously similar because I had all C-sections. And so oh. I was having these little ones and I was like, I'm limited. I know I'm limited. And so I pushed it to five. Like we had yeah. five C-sections. And That's after that, I was like, I'm not done. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, we did foster care and um, our last foster daughter became an adoption. So that's just how that worked. We have three boys who we adopted through foster care and they're a sibling group. And then one other daughter we also adopted who's not related Mm -hmm. to them. Since we knew we want a large family and we knew that so many kids have to get separated when they go into foster care, Mm -hmm. we went in with the intention of adopting a sibling group so they could stay together. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Sometimes sometimes it is. (laughs) It's, you know, sometimes it's really hard. And I didn't take my own advice at the time. And we didn't keep our oldest biological daughter as the oldest child in our family. When I give people advice about foster care, that's the Mm -hmm. one thing I really say is like, you've got to keep your birth order. Yeah. So we've got some, you know, challenging situations with that, but they're all starting Mm -hmm. to kind of get their, their own space 
a little bit more as far as like my oldest graduated last year. And then we've got two who are graduating this year. You know, they're going in different directions. And I think everyone will enjoy a little bit more elbow room. What do you like as an eight mom? Like, what would you say that brings to things? What are the things that work? And what gets in the way? I think the things that work is that I have a big capacity to kind of manage our life. You know, I'm pretty intentional about it. And we set up systems, <laughs> systems for everything. When they were little, I had them all color coded. I still use their <laughs> color coding for some things. But when I say mm-hmm. that to people, I realize how I start to sound like insane. <laughs> um, Have you seen I'm, that movie with um <laughs> I'm sure you've seen all the movies about the dozen kids like but it was this particular one with the dad was military or something and he had oh, charts and it's oh what's that actor uh Dennis Quaid you should seriously go find it <laughs> go find oh, that movie I feel like and I they, heard about it but I never saw that one but it definitely was hilarious because she was very fourish and it was like free flow go with it and he was regimented (laughs) sure well one of the things that inspired me when I was little like I started I wanted a large family since I was a little kid and was reading the book cheaper by the dozen and that's about a real family with 12 kids in their early 20th century and Mm -hmm. their parents were efficiency experts and I was so drawn to (laughs) all that stuff (laughs) Oh, I um, this is hinting at your tri-type somehow. We'll, we'll have to get into it because <laughs> this is not me is what I'm saying is, okay. no, that is not, I can't schedule or fix anything into a system. It's all spontaneous and by gut, everything, like oh. every day I wake up and it's just go with the flow or whatever. It's very, my four is so strong. It makes me feel trapped. And that's seven. I, I want to be able to do whatever, whatever works. It's very much, I, I'm a boxer. Like if something gets thrown, you pivot. It's So I grew up with both my parents were professors and my background is in education. My husband's a music teacher. So school year, like that rhythm it mm-hmm. fits me so well. And I love it yeah. because yeah. by the time summer rolls around, I'm like ready to have a break from the structure. Right. But as soon as we get to mid-August, I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot <laughs> even handle how loosey-goosey <laughs> things are. We have got to get back into some sort of order here. Did I read that you were um, sexual self press Yes. That that's you. Correct. Okay. You and I could talk about that all day because that, <laughs> that that's my stacking as well. You might be relating to me on that level. When I've described in the past the all-consuming energy Mm -hmm. drug that goes on, are you relating to that? Oh my gosh, totally, totally. And I think, I feel like I am just constantly compelled. Like I'm compelled to do things all the time. I'm compelled to have intense relationships, constantly being compelled. And I'm always not satisfied. I know. Are you familiar with the Hamilton musical? Don't be mad at me, guys. I know I'm going to get so much. (laughs) I made it halfway. (laughs) What? (laughs) Music is huge in our life. And we listen to the whole soundtrack lots of times. Excellent music. um, Before I ever actually saw it. And so I knew the story really well. And I actually read the book. The author have you seen that Encanto yet yes actually I just watched it last night for the first time there you go because he wrote the music yes Lin-Manuel um (laughs) but Hamilton a huge part of the story is that he's never satisfied I relate to that (laughs) and I relate to him too I really think he's an eight because there's a whole part too that he just shares his like most deep intimate personal stuff with the whole world he like gets it printed out 
to kind of just be authentic. Well, maybe. I think it's more about, no, like, look, I'm not cheating with money, but here's the embarrassing thing that I did. So I want to be 100% open and show this to you and show you that I'm not betraying anybody except my wife. Right. Could be. (laughs) But the whole, like, not being satisfied thing is, I feel like, uh, a big part of the Um, sexual. Heard on a podcast, I think it was three days ago. He's an eight with the same stacking. He said, we sing a very particular song and we walk into a room and we sing out that song we're projecting that song and 10 percent of the people in the room are completely drawn in by that song they're ours <laughs> they'll be ours for life they immediately latch onto it and they're all into it but 90 percent, not only are they not into it they're like repulsed by it <laughs> <laughs> we are not neutral like nobody takes us part way it's, they will die for you or yeah. they want to avoid you like the plague it's yeah although i have experienced the eight thing that heard other people talk about where people want you to come in and be in control and save the day but then once you're kind of past a crisis then they're kind of like okay thank you now we don't need you anymore uh, that uh, to me isn't related to the sx though that's related to oh, um, that just has to do with gotcha. our, our ability to get stuff done. But SX is energetic. And so the people who are drawn in are people, the song we're singing is energetic. Well, you understand what we mean when we say sexual. It's not about like get into bed with me. It is right, this um, alluring, energetic energy. A very small part of the population immediately latches onto it. And it's something they want to be around, but it's so intense with the eight, especially that 90% are immediately uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable. They're overwhelmed by it. It's just not something they want to be a part of. And so they'll smile politely, whatever, but you're not going to hear from them again. And they're not going to make themselves available. Not going to happen. Yeah. As I have learned about the Enneagram and look back over relationships in my life, I kind of have just been like, oh, Okay, Mm -hmm. so that explains why when I'm like leaning in and trying to go deep with someone, they are pulling back. Yeah. And I don't understand why. And it, I feel betrayed, you know, in those moments. Me too. Me too. And they, they kind of assume motivation. I once was actually genuinely felt very moved by a woman who had uh, given a presentation and she, she'd been really vulnerable and I was very moved by it. And so, in typical eight with SX fashion, I went up to her and I just, I told her very honestly how much it moved me and with all Mm -hmm. the intensity that comes with that. But it was, you know, a thousand percent honest, completely genuine. And I later learned that she was very uncomfortable and she rewrote it in her head as me manipulating or trying to get something out of her or yeah, something like that. And I've never been more angry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And also so feeling like almost shame because I'd been so genuine and so honest. And that's what she did with it. And I felt like a little kid again. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to give you me, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. That, that thing you just described of being a thousand percent authentic. Like I feel that like when you said that, I was like, yes, I know exactly what that feels like. Yeah. And I, I do that and often have a similar reaction where people kind of are just, they withdraw. 
that's tough. And then it makes me really sad and feel like a freak. There's a lot of eight things we can work on or grow into, but this is not negotiable. I wouldn't negotiate this and I'm not even sure I could. And so it's something you almost have to kind of grieve a little bit and then kind of rejoice when you find even one of those people because they're so rare, but they're so incredible and no one else has that. So say we end up with five people in life who here are unique call and actually want to be around for it. Those five people will be the most engaged, in tune, loyal and in sync people that we could ever have. So we have to be kind of satisfied with that, you know? I feel like just over maybe the past even like six months, I'm starting to kind of come to that realization. I'm not going to have the relationships that I thought I was going to have. And rather than changing myself and living some sort of half, half life with a relationship, I cannot do that. Exactly what you said, except the people who will be there and do it with me. And my husband is amazing. Like, honestly, even just last night, I was like, you know, did you know what you were getting into? How intense I was? Did you feel like, <laughs> or do you feel like I've gotten more intense over there? He's like, oh, I think I knew what I was getting into. Right. Well, it makes me um, wonder, do you know if he is SX first as well? I don't think he is. I okay. think it's second or last. I think he's social actually first. Right. SX is the most intense part of the three stackings by a long shot. Yeah. I feel like when I read about the things and like, I feel like everything I read, I end up being the most intense version. Like whatever they say now, this is the most intense of this kind of thing. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if you have four in there because um, although you're so regimented, I don't know, man. Here's the thing. I put systems into place and there are some things I stick to pretty tight for other people. I make them stick to it for myself. I give myself all kinds of space. <laughs> <Sounds eight>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I expect other people to follow my rules, but I definitely right. give myself a pass. <laughs> but I was listening to a podcast with a panel of eights on there. It was actually, you had Jim Zartman on your, on your podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was his podcast, uh, the art of growth anyway. And I heard one of them say that they experienced conflict as intimacy and mm. while I never would have like described it that way myself, yeah, it hit me so hard right. right in my chest. Like, yes, that is true. That is what I experienced. Mm-hmm. And I just hadn't ever realized that not everybody did, <laughs> I right. guess. I couldn't say that about any other type. I really don't think so. You know, th- again, I said about like looking back a relationship. So for example, um, some friends, this is probably like, 10, 15 years ago, some friends I hadn't seen in several months, but like really love and respect. And we had an opportunity to go over to their house for dinner. And like, I literally walked in and was like, throw down, throw down with like, so what do you think about Calvinism? You know? And (laughs) for me, it was like a real act of love and respect to kind of like offer this debate. I respect your opinion. And I want to talk about, I want to like wrestle through this with you. But they did not necessarily like receive it that way. <laughs> and I, who knows how many countless other times that's happened that I don't remember with people, you know? Yes. Or you never hear about because they, they don't right. even want to go back in the room with you. So. <laughs> exactly. I never hear from them again. Uh-uh. Hear from them again. Exactly. So anyway, that, that panel was like what really pushed me over the edge of like, yeah, I'm definitely an eight. Right. Um, and then just kind of dug into it a lot more. And actually, I 
Jim Zartman was my Enneagram coach for a year. Okay. Um, I went to coaching with him. So did he feel fami- familiar to you? I found him very forish. He doesn't really like try type, I think. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't. Yeah, he's not into it. I c- edited the part where we were like kind of fighting about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what made me reach out to him was I had tried to like get a a therapist for a couple mm-hmm. of times. And, like every time I tried, like they were just so they would just sit there and like listen and like, not push back on me at all. And I really yeah. wanted someone who was going to push back on me. Right. And I was getting so frustrated with these different people. And not that mm-hmm. I had like a huge issue. I just wanted a, a sounding board, I guess. Right. And so I was listening to this podcast with him and, I, and he's an eight. And so I was like, well, listen, if anyone's going to push back on me, it's going to be an eight. So I right. want him specifically. Yeah. And I think you're right. He is a, a lot four-ish because yeah. he, and even just hearing him now online, just his whole manner. And I know it's something he's worked on, but like his whole manner, I was like, wow, that's, he's really into his feelings. <laughs> I know. And he's able to express them in such a deep and nuanced and poetic way. And I just don't know that any other version of an eight could do that. I feel in my regular daily life, I don't experience a lot of emotions except for right. anger. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But I do have times of very deep feelings. Like mm-hmm. I've been driving. So, oh my gosh, this is such a kind of embarrassing story. But <laughs> I was just driving by myself, listening to Billy Joel's greatest hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was suddenly so overwhelmed with the beauty of creativity in the world and all of the different people and what they bring to offer as far as creativity, like that I started crying. (laughs) It's weird when that happens. (laughs) So it was just like like, super random. (laughs) They come out in very strange ways. I feel like my emotions do. That's it. I I I feel like I don't trust them. And so lots of times I keep them kind of at bay. Like I don't even Mm -hmm. like watching emotional movies because I don't, I have to like prepare myself to be okay. I'm going to like move into emotions. Okay. Yeah. I really love having a lot of feelings. <laughs> oh, I, I like it with books, with movies. If they don't move me, I'm like, I don't want to be here. It makes me feel vulnerable. I think honestly, and because of so many issues, all issues in the world and with mm-hmm. our kids in particular, there's mm-hmm. so much emotion stuff that goes on that when I, want to be entertained I just like want to be entertained like I want to yeah. laugh you know that's pretty reasonable <laughs> yeah. um yeah I do like um like action movies those are one of my favorites right uh, <laughs> any favorites well I loved all the like diehards and lethal weapons and yeah, all yeah. of those I used to watch them with my dad who I me too yeah I'm still trying to figure out his Enneagram I think I think he is an eight but has worked so hard to not be an explosive eight okay. that he's kind of gone to five real hard for mm-hmm. his like, whole life. Oh, any bank heists, all of the oceans. Ones. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you yeah. Know, all that kind of stuff. I love No, them. I appreciate them. I do, but they don't make me feel the feelings <laughs> <laughs> apart from adrenaline. That's, that's it. Yeah. I have a real hard time with sixes. You would be and I guess the 5,000th eight who has told us that. <laughs> I don't understand their anxiety. I don't Mm. understand their caution to act, their protection of themselves. I just Mm -hmm. don't understand them. Like, I really don't understand them. I find myself kind of repulsed by threes. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> because of the chameleon likeness of them, okay. it feels so fake. And I, I feel like I don't know who you are. I don't know who you really are because you seem to be able to change all the time for the moment. And, and so I, I feel like I can't trust you and I have to keep you at arm's length. Do you know a lot of confirmed threes or just uh, people you suspect are threes? Probably it's just people that I suspect are threes. Just after having um, spent enough time, so I call it imprinting, I like mm-hmm. feel what people feel like. And I don't mean I feel their emotions. I mean, people have a energy imprint and I have yeah. filed enough away at this point that I like have a sense of what they feel like. And um, threes are like actually an aggressive, not super movable number. It's just that they, they're just geniuses in a room of people. They don't feel fake, actually, threes. Not mm. really. Okay, that's interesting. I'll have I'd be curious <laughs> to know if you um, encounter people who've done like a ton of uh, Enneagram work and for sure know there are three, just like stare at them for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I think I learned that if I could choose anyone in the world to be my counselor, it would be Jerome Lubba, who we interviewed. Mm. And he's a healthy too. There was something about him. He'd drawn all the right boundaries. So he now was someone who had boundaries. And so he could be pushed on and push on me. He was safe. He was a very safe person. Twos go to eight in strength, right? Oh, or yeah. In, in, it was a natural yeah. fit. It was a natural fit. And I, I'd never dealt with a healthy two. So I didn't know it was possible. And yet it's like it's our perfect fit. If they're healthy, they are our ideal fit. And it's so rare to find a healthy one. <laughs> so well, maybe I, I just don't really know. <laughs> uh, that man, I was not expecting that. I was quite taken aback, to be honest. My sister is a four. Yeah. And she's like nine years younger than me. So when we were kids, we weren't really at the, just at the same stage of life. Like she was 12 when I got married, you know. But now we're very, very close. And we can have, like, she will sit with like the deep, 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 digging conversations that I want to have you know yeah she she doesn't walk away from it you know she's there for it and we'll Mm -hmm. do it as long as I want yeah that can be a good fit too yeah and I really appreciate that but I think when if we had been at the same kind of stage of life when we were teens or something our kind of immature versions of ourselves I think we would have fought a lot because you know, she couldn't make a decision and it was super emotional all the time. And I just was like, let's just, just decide what you want for dinner. Just order. Right. And you hurt her feelings all the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's interesting to see too, how like health and maturity kind of play yeah. into, to all of that as well. Changes everything. It definitely does. Cause actually her and my other, probably one of my closest friends is also a four. They're not afraid of my intensity, you know, like, no, that is true. Conversations. Yeah. Yep. That's true. They're not going to back off. You no, said once friend. in a podcast about wanting to be pursued. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that I so identified with. I feel like I don't get that a lot. I'm always the pursuer in mm-hmm. relationship. And if I don't continually do that, then suddenly we're distant, you know, from each other. Yep. Um, and that it, it can get exhausting, I feel like. <laughs> no, I know. We are, without even meaning to, always kind of searching. We just are. Mm-hmm. We're kind of scanning for the right energetic match. I have a hard yeah. time waiting for most things. Well, um, <laughs> the pursuit is fun. Part of the joy is to walk into a room and go, am I going to find it today? Like, 
is that person going to have a match with me? And of course, almost never, but (laughs) (laughs) I feel like as an eight, my whole life, I have always been better friends with guys than I have been with girls. And absolutely. um, Yeah. And as an adult, that is weird because people think I'm like after their husbands, you know? Yeah. Women are more wary. They're like kind of uncomfortable with it. Yeah. I feel like. Like, Does another eight female work? I have. Yeah. It's interesting because I have one other eight female friend that I um, am pretty close to. And I actually (laughs) actually pursued her (laughs) because I was thinking like who, as I was discovering Enneagram, like who do I know that I feel like would not be scared off by my energy. And so she and I were not super close, but I contacted her and I was like, Hey, I was wondering if you wanted to like walk together. Cause I knew she walked in the mornings and yeah. she was like, yeah, sure. And so we started walking together and we've gotten really close and I really appreciate her. I've grown to really, mm-hmm. really appreciate her. I feel very close with her now. Yep. Cause that can be a good fit if you're like equally healthy. It gets tricky yeah. because you, you become super repulsed if you're basically seeing yourself mirrored in the <laughs> ugliest way. <laughs> yeah. Like who wants to I be think, around that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you see the lists of like the famous people who are eights, most of the people are like, oh my gosh, like, like that person. <laughs> it's just not helpful. No, the stereotypes are the reason we started the podcast. Like we got to well, into this. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that, and I I have appreciated the podcast so much. Just mm. hearing all the different people and all the different types, and and realizing like, oh, I really identify with that, or like, oh, listen to those details that I don't really identify with. Like they're different in that way. But here's why, right? Yeah. And I just I really am so fond of all of you. It makes me <laughs> genuinely happy to be in the same category of human. Yeah, well, it's, it's so delightful to realize that I'm not like a psycho. I mean, I used to pray that I could just be like more chill and like more even keeled. And why do I have to like, vacillate so wildly like a pendulum and um, Mm -hmm. be all or nothing and all this stuff. And really, over the past couple years, Enneagram has been such a gift to just help me realize like, no, I'm supposed to be that way, you know? Right. Um, yes. And I don't have yeah. to try and not be that way. Yeah. You if know? you were to sum up your favorite part of eight, what would you say? I like being a really direct communicator. I like being someone who empowers people to do things. I mean, I, I like doing that in all areas of my life. That's the kind of mom I am. I'm, a, I'm an empowerer. I don't do stuff mm-hmm. for them. I teach them how mm-hmm. to do it themselves. I like being a starter, you know, when everyone else is kind of looking at their shoes, when people are like, well, well this needs to be done. Who's going to get this started? And no one else wants to. I'm like, I'll do it. You know, I don't know. I like feeling confident. I was so surprised to find out that so many other people, other types don't seem to feel the same type of confidence that I feel. You're not just putting it on. It's not, it's not false pride. It's not pride or anything. It's just, I really can do this. <laughs> you know, Right. And I like that I'm pretty much right a lot of the time. Like that sounds so mm-hmm. arrogant. And I know arrogance is probably like the vice that I fall into too much, but I like being right, you know, and I'm, yeah. I often am. <laughs> yes. How have you coped like in your heart when a kiddo starts to pull away or they're not bonding with you the way that your SX self like really wants to and do take it personally and how do you deal with just the hurt of all of that that's really hard it's very real right 
Yeah. And maybe for us more than many people like our SX and eight wants to bond very, very tightly. And then you add the mama thing. And a lot of the time they can't, they just can't do it, you know? And so you kind of have to learn to love in spite of how you were made. It's like you lay aside how you were made and you love anyway. And it's so difficult. My husband says this to me actually a lot is like, it's not personal (laughs) because it it feels very personal. It feels like they don't trust me and why Mm -hmm. don't they trust me? And so having to just choose to believe that he's right Mm -hmm. when it doesn't feel like it at all, you know? And my mom has said, my mom, I'm very close with her too, has said, you know, when you don't feel that connection, you have to just treat them like you would treat them if you did feel the connection, you know? That's exactly right. And just be super intentional. And I feel like intentionality is something I'm really good at. I can, I can Mm -hmm. be intentional. It's hard when it doesn't have the outcome that I'm hoping for, but it's a, it's a daily choosing of like, okay. And so I have to absorb, I guess, kind of absorb the pain, you know, that is there and hold it. You know, I always kind of think, have you watched the office? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> You're okay. a big fan of the random humor. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how Jim would put like Dwight stuff in jello. Yes. Yeah. I kind of think about that picture of like mm-hmm. a stapler in jello. I'm the jello and mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like absorbing this sharp thing mm-hmm. and holding it there and just yeah. choosing to be strong enough and big enough yeah. to do that. Yeah, I had a feeling that you were gonna say that you felt all those things because I don't I don't know how how we could be eight mamas and not feel that. My hope is that I was actually just reminding myself of this the other day about, you know, yes, I've had, you know, this time with them before they go off into the world. And I know just graduating high school doesn't mean they're like leaving immediately, but but we have decades of relationship ahead of us. And so Everything that I want to happen in our relationship, if it hasn't happened yet, it doesn't mean that it can't ever happen. I mean, who are we compared to who we were a decade ago, right? I'd like to think most of us are a much better version and a much more, I don't know, open, expansive person than we were. And so imagine what that'll do for you, right? Yeah. And I even think, and I had great parents and a great childhood, but I think, gosh, I'm so much closer as an adult to my parents than I was mm-hmm. when I was a teenager. <laughs> and so that gives me hope also. Yes. I like being a future-oriented type. I do feel like I look to the future with hope, you know? Do you feel seven-ish at all? You're married to I, a seven, so I wonder if there's part of that. I would have said probably before I had kids, I felt very seven-ish. Like, mm-hmm. I was up for whatever. What, mm-hmm. It's 10 o'clock at night and you want to drive four hours and go to this, go pee off Niagara Falls. Awesome. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I was really adventurous. And so I would say in that way and that just the energy, high energy, I would say in those ways. Yeah. I feel like since my life suddenly became, I had a lot more responsibilities. I went to start right. having kids. Mm-hmm. Now I feel much more like protective of like doing things that are meaningful and doing what I'm doing for them. And I'm right. not nearly as spontaneous as I used to be <laughs> <Got it. laughs> because everything is like a whole ordeal. 
hard to be spontaneous. <laughs> You'd be surprised. It is like a very rare thing I've realized. And it really horrifies a lot of other mothers. <laughs> I feel like for me, it's a control thing completely. Yeah. Like, yeah. If I feel like I'm not in control of what's happening in the situation, that makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> Right. I feel um, controlled or- the whole time, though. That's what is, it's so hard to explain it to people is I feel the most certain when I am not trapped in something. Yeah. In a trapped situation, I feel like a caged animal and I'm not in control. So it has to do with my internal state, I think. Whereas when I'm free to choose, I feel very in control. Do you see what I mean? So it's not about I, the external. And there again, I feel like there's this, somehow this differentiation for me with me, myself, and me being in charge of my kids. When it's me, myself, I totally identify with what you're saying. Like even right. to the point of physical space. Like if I'm in a really crowded city and I don't know like the direct path out, I feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm so, I'm so uh, caged in. You know, and just even in emotional spaces, like if I don't feel like I have a choice in this situation, that makes me feel like I've got to bust out. I feel like the Hulk, you know, I got to bust out of this. But when it comes to managing my kids, it's different for me because the the managing of their situations and safety and all of that is what makes me feel right. in control. I don't no, know. You're right. I keep forgetting that you also, oh, you know, the sensitivity in which you have to talk about these things. But when they're your biological kids, there is less unpredictability just inherently yeah. in that situation. But when they're not, you do have to hem them in a little more. Like you do need to put different scaffolding. And I do relate because my first five, it really felt like I really did haul them every which way. And it's like they were just parts of my body. And yeah. uh, it was intuitive. And I just I kind of, they meshed. Um, but yep. then the moment mm-hmm. this little this little lady came in, and I started to realize, wow, her brain doesn't work the same way. And yeah. everything I made assumptions about with the other ones, I can't. I can't do that yeah. with her. Yes. And so I do spend a lot of time, like uh, everything in me now is always scanning for where she yes. is and what she's up to. I never used to do that, ever. Yeah. Ever, mm-hmm. ever. I never worried about my other kids. I just, it's like I just knew. And so it does actually completely transform you and transform who you might have been if you hadn't suddenly had to grow a whole bunch of extra senses. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally true. And honestly, when we first started foster care, you know, the training that you go through, one of the things they say is like, you know, just, just parent them like you parent your own kids. Well, nope. I learned very quickly that, that that's impossible. Like I can't. Yes. And as I learned how to be a good parent to these children that I didn't understand. That actually led me into like my doctoral work that I'm working on right now, which is uh, focused on social and emotional learning. But as I kind of dug into the psychology and neurology and all of this stuff behind what was going on with them, their adverse childhood experiences and like all of this kind of stuff, just trying to understand them. And here's where my five probably comes in because I just dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and yeah. it's like insatiable, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so just trying to understand them has led me to getting a doctorate now right. in this area. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it is a totally, totally different thing, but I still want to do it. You know, I'm still com- yeah. I'm p- compelled to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it never takes it off the table. It just, yeah. uh, you have to change your strategy and and we're good at that. Like, I feel like we're, yeah, Aaron and I say that we are presented like we are immovable mules of a human, but we're 
teachable. Like we, we do what needs doing and we're oh. more than capable of, of making those pivots. Um, a lot of types uh, don't see us that way. And yet I'm like, mm, then you just don't understand because <laughs> we can yeah. make exceptional U-turns, like exceptional ones, if we know that that's the thing that needs doing, right? But Oh, yeah, totally. I definitely identify with that. I've, in fact, I always tell my mom in particular, because we'll like plan stuff, you know, for months in advance and stuff like that. I'm like, listen, let's just get a plan down. I can always change it. I'm glad mm-hmm. to change it if it makes sense. But I just need to know, like, have a sense of what's coming. But yeah, yeah changing things on a dime at, yeah. if it makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I can it has that. to make That's sense. No problem. Absolutely, yeah. that is the key factor. But and I think this is typical too. Like, I can give someone a very detailed <laughs> explanation as to why something does or doesn't make sense. Like, I right. do think through all of those things in my head. And I've got a reason for everything I do, pretty much. Right. That sounds a lot like Aaron. What would you want to say to your eights? I would say you're not alone. (laughs) And it's just so comforting to know that there are other people who feel the things that I feel. And just a little piece of super practical advice that I have found very helpful in the past two years or so is taking all of my really good advice that people may not want to take from me and framing it as a question. (laughs) So instead of saying, you should do this, which was definitely what I did a lot. My poor sister received the bulk of that. I now say, have you ever considered this? (laughs) It feels, I'll be honest, it feels fake to me um, because I have to be so intentional about it. Or if I'm in a group setting where different people are supposed to be talking, I'll like literally count to 10 in my head before I jump in. So I'm not always the first person to just jump in and give other people some space. So some of those techniques like feel super fake to me, but they do actually really help kind of just grease the wheels of interaction with other people. (laughs) That's funny. My mom, she was an eight as well. And that was something that she tried to teach me. I did not learn it. I still haven't really (laughs) learned it to ask more questions and to frame things as a question because it gets people's hackles up if you don't. I just don't pause. I'm still working on the pause. Oh my gosh, I'm literally planning a tattoo of the word in Hebrew, Selah. The idea is to pause and reflect before you act. Mm -hmm. I want to get it like literally right on my hand so I see it all the time. (laughs) Yes, yes, there is something about that that it's definitely need to consider. (laughs) I am so reactive. Like I definitely just like immediately know what I think and feel about something and just do it. So I need to just take a beat. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface, and you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor.